Old School Lane Casual Chats is brought to you by Old School Lane, producing various content from blogs, videos, and podcasts discussing about movies, TV shows, video games, and everything else in between since 2011. You can check out the podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, Overcast, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and YouTube. We're associated with Channel Frederator, Manic Expression, The Comic Book Cast, and The Aaron Meta Show. Welcome to a new episode of Casual Chats. My name is Patricia. And my name is Aaron. So yeah, I just want to apologize for two things. One, my audio quality. I just got back from England after being gone for two months, and uh, I haven't on um, you know been able to like record new episodes of Casual Chats. But you know, I hope that you have been enjoying a summer's worth of Pix Minis and Pix Mix, and we just posted up the newest episode of Dream Machine. So I uh, hope you've been enjoying that. In addition to um, posting up on Anchor, uh, and then we'll be posting up on YouTube at the moment the uh, episodes of Journey to the Blue Sky, where we're watching all of the Blue Sky Studios films, so I hope that you've been enjoying that. And the second thing I need to apologize is my audio quality. So uh, because I'm back in England, and uh, since then, uh, we moved house, so I haven't been able to unlock my boxes where my microphone and all of my equipment is, so I'm just using my laptop. So if I sound a little uh, grainy, then I apologize. You know, I blame that, British, today- I blame that British guy for all that stuff. Like, you know, like, uh, blame him. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I blame you for doing that. <laughs> oh, me? <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, I'm the British guy? <laughs> uh, but no, I seriously, I love you. Yeah, well, um, I'll let you off the hook this time, me. <laughs> okay, well, today we're going to be talking about uh, something that I've actually posted up on a poll for quite a while. So, uh, ever since 2020, I wanted to look back on at least one new film that came out. And I wanted to post a poll on what you guys wanted me to watch for 2020. And you guys chose uh, Candace Against the Universe. And because recently it was the 15th anniversary of Phineas and Ferb, I'm going to put that on hold in the meanwhile because I'm still marathoning through Phineas and Ferb and then I have to watch the other movies. And by, so the way, by the way, I haven't even got to Phineas and Ferb yet. I'm still making way for like one of the older shows, like from like, like the, the early 90s. I'm not even got there yet. Yeah, you just finished watching Gummy Bears, and now you're going through DuckTales. Uh, yeah, well, right now I'm going through Gummy Bears. Oh, sorry, I'm going through Gummy Bears. Right now I'm going through DuckTales. I'm going through um, Tailspin, and uh, then uh, hopefully somewhere down the line I'm going to get through to the other shows. But uh, right now it's... Uh, uh, we we it's... did see, like, one episode of Chippendale Rescue Rangers before we saw the movie. Yeah, it was before we saw the new one, yeah, but that was just for context, really. 
So. Yeah, exactly. So maybe we'll talk about that down to the line. But in the meanwhile, I posted up a poll last year on what animated film from 2021 that you wanted me to talk about. The choices were as follows. Disney's Raya and the Last Dragon, Sony's Mitchell's vs. the Machines, Sony's The Wish Dragon, or Netflix's Arlo the Alligator Boy. By a tight, tight margin. Like, believe me, it was really, really tight. Like, only a few percentage between the two choices between um, Mitchell's vs. the Machines and Raya and the Last Dragon. The winner ended up being Mitchell's vs. the Machines. And we're going to be talking about that movie today. Uh, by the way, for all the people who are disappointed that we're going we're not talking about Raya and the Last Dragon. Let me just safely say this. Patricia's seen it. I haven't. I'm still trying to get to the point where I can see it. And so once we've both like got in sync with uh, watching the movie, then eventually we'll basically start talking about it. But until then, you know, here we go. Yeah. So Mitchell's vs. the Machines is a 2021 computer animated science fiction comedy film produced by Sony Pictures Animations. The film was directed by Mike Rianda, co-directed by Jeff Rowe, and it was written by Rianda and Rowe with Phil Lord, Christopher Miller, and Kurt Abrich as producers. So, yeah, I have to say that when you hear Lord and Miller, you know that there's something going to be good that's going to be happening. For those who don't know, Lord and Miller are two amazing uh, duo of writers and producers who have done various films such as 21 Drum Street and its sequel. They did the Lego movie, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. They've done the TV series, The Last Man on Earth and Unikitty. And just recently, they had been the producers of major um, films such as Spider-Man Enter the Spider-Verse and Mitchell's vs. the Machines. And they're working on the movie that's going to be coming out next year, which is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which, by the way, that movie is going to be coming out in 2023 not 2022 even though that you guys voted for me to watch that movie so uh in place of the 2022 movie we're going to probably be talking about the runner-up which was the bob's burgers movie but we'll talk about that later on but yeah when you hear lord and miller you know that there's going to be something good that's going to be coming off of it. And by the way, um, this is actually a really interesting debut of Michael Rianda, who you may know as one of the writers behind Gravity Falls, created by Alex Hirsch. Who, speaking of which, Alex Hirsch was actually a major creative consultant behind this movie. And a lot of people who you may know of uh, on the Disney Channel, such as um, Dana Terrace, the creator of The Owl House, and Matt Brawley, the creator of Amphibia, also was a hand on working on this movie as well with storyboards and various art designs and stuff like that and uh, it's and also with the humor as well with um, Alex Hirsch sitting down and taking a look at some uh, of the story behind the um, the film and giving his own feedback on it so yeah, I, yeah, mean, I, I mean, think this is the one thing I think that we need to discuss, really, because, like, uh, you know, Mitchell's versus the Machines is another success story that came out of Gravity Falls. Like, you know, Gravity Falls has basically been the primordial ooze pretty much for, you know, not just for Disney animation, but, you know, for things like Mitchell's versus the Machines and various other animation projects as well. Like, Gravity Falls has been really a, a godsend for animation when you really think about it. Yeah, yeah. So because we have uh, Gravity Falls, we've had uh, various other things, such as like uh, a lot of people who have worked on Gravity Falls went off to do major work for uh, Big City Greens, Amphibia, The Owl House, Mitchells vs. the Machines, and Inside Jobs. So yeah, they've created a lot of great animated films and movies, and it was all due to the major team behind it. It kind of reminds me about how a lot of people who worked on Adventure Time went off and worked on various shows, such as regular shows. Steven Universe, Over the Garden Wall, OKKO. So it's kind of like a similar story to that, but this is like Disney Channel's equivalent. Yeah. 
So yeah. I think um, when my uh, you know when I first heard about you know Mitchell's versus the machines, actually you know, so I think one thing we should really start off with is basically the uh, I mean the the long production that it you know time that actually went through, and uh, dare I say, it's uh, one of the, uh, Mitchell's versus the machines is one of the very few movies to come through production hell and actually be able to come out in uh, you know to a heavenly audience. I have to say, because... Yeah, uh, they were developing this story around 2015 when uh, Michael Riando was done with Gravity Falls, and he wanted to pitch the idea over to various studios to see if they would be able to be really interested with this project. So he basically made uh, a manifesto of the film called Control-Alt-Escape, which was the original title of the film. One of the many many original titles, we should say. (laughs) Yeah, of course. And then around 2018, Lord and Miller joined the project as producers when they were working on, um, you know, various films such as uh, The Two Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs and the first uh, Lego movie and then Spider-Man Entered the Spider-Verse. And, yeah, there was a lot of production that was going on. They changed the title from Control-Alt-Escape to Connected, and then they changed the title again to um, Mitchell's vs. the Machines, which originally was that title, but then they changed it to Connected back to Mitchell's vs. the Machines. So... Uh, I think the, one of the reasons why they changed it over to connected from Mitchell's versus the machines was because when originally it was supposed to be released in theaters and then it was going to move over to uh, an exclusive Netflix project, there was already a series on Netflix called Connected, which is basically this, you know, like this Netflix series about people who are like really connected over to the internet and being like up, you know, like the ups and downs of being um, connected over to uh, the internet obsessively. So that kind of stuff. So they change it over to Mitchell's versus the machines. And um, then uh, finally, when it was released around 2021, it was critically acclaimed and it was even nominated for an Oscar, but it had lost to Encanto. But still, a lot of people say that this is actually the best film of 2021, which uh, we'll be discussing about whether it is or not. So, yeah, I think that we should get started with the story. Yeah. So um, the story revolves around uh, a family who basically you can see are very well like uh, connected into you know the modern day world. They're, they're all either on their phones. They're always like either on their laptops or uh, you know any, anything like that. So um, that uh, you know gets under the skin of uh, basically the dad of the family in, in all of this. And so um, then uh, we're led to the uh, the the, um, uh, the the teenage. Um, uh, you know, uh, you know the old eldest, uh, you know, uh, daughter of the family, uh, Katie Mitchell, uh, who uh, is basically become an inspiring filmmaker. And uh, um, I have to say, you know, at the very beginning when she's introduced, I love the whole idea of like uh, that. Uh, the whole thing is told through like you know uh, uh, through graphics, and you know the her imagination kind of like is visually present on on the screen, which I think is a very good way to like show how you know quirky and how like you know creative and how you know. Uh, aspirational uh, Katie Mitchell actually is so uh, I like how she's introduced us for the first time in this movie and uh, you get a really good idea for her character just through the visualization yeah, it kind of reminds me once again of Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs in which we get introduced to Flint Lockwood and he's like this wide-eyed 
um, inventor and he wants to be able to make something that is going to revolutionize science and he messes up all the time and his dad just doesn't get it. He's a very down-to-earth fisherman. And it kind of reminds me of when we see Mitchells vs. Machines. Okay, we have this young girl named Katie who loves film. She wants to be a filmmaker. She wants to be able to make like these really quirky, weird movies with puppets and with her dog Mochi and stuff like that. And her dad is like this really down-to-earth guy who loves building things and is more or less um, not a big fan of technology. So, uh, But he's like very supportive of what Katie wants. But at the same time, he kind of wants the old relationship that uh, he and Katie had when she was young in which like... You know, uh, he was her whole world that when we saw in the flashbacks in the old VHS camera where, you know, she was like always close to him and he would always be like really, um, you know, doing a lot of fun stuff together. And then there's like this um, moose that, you know, she actually had when she was a child that he gave her, which we'll get to in just a moment about the significance of that. And so he wants that relationship back. But unfortunately, you know, she's already grown up. She's going like a completely different direction that he's not very familiar with and uh you know he basically just wants to build that relationship back but you know she's like um in a completely different uh, field than what he's accustomed to yeah and the, then we have the, 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 other... the, one, the one thing i'll say about the you know, the the father-daughter relationship in this movie i think is very very good and how it's how it's all told like you know um this is a lot of families you know who are having on the verge of having like their eldest you know go off to college and basically become their own person and uh, there's you know there's a lot of parents out there who are very afraid of that and uh, you know uh, don't want to to really let their kids go in that way so it's uh, it's a you know this is one of the great things that Mitchell's versus the machines gets right very right off the get-go it's a really relatable story they have you know that, and that's only one part of the story may I add like you know we've got so many yeah. other bits to go so. oh yeah this 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 story is massive by the way but let's go over to the other characters so we have Linda the mother not to be confused with Linda Belcher from Bob's Burgers even <laughs> though they're kind of similar in which she's like really quirky and she is very supportive with her family and she kind of has a bit of a jealousy with the other family that lives next door that is just so perfect in every single way then we have Aaron who's obsessed with dinosaurs and is calling everybody on the phone on the yellow pages saying hey do you want to talk about dinosaurs do you want to talk about dinosaurs? Do you want to talk about dinosaurs? And he has this really close relationship with Katie. In fact, he's actually really sad that Katie is going away because they're like really, really close friends. They're not just brother and sister. Like they are like thick as thieves. They do a lot of stuff together. They watch movies together. They hang out together. They uh, help with uh, making Katie's movies. So yeah, they're they're really, really close. And then you have the dog Mochi, which uh, like is this really derpy um, dog that uh, is basically just there to like look really derpy mm, yeah like uh, the one thing i will say about this movie is that you know the dog character is just there just for comic relief i think uh, you know yeah. and, uh, not much else really so yeah n not, nothing really much else i mean it's kind of funny that it just so happens to be that this dog is not voiced by like a voice actor who's just doing dog voices and stuff like that like frank welker or d bradley baker no he's actually voiced by a dog named dog um doug the pug who happens to be a massive social media juggernaut apparently he has over two you know, like over like millions of followers on his um social media pages i mean even more than even we have together. Yeah, well, I mean, like, million... well, if Grumpy Cat can have a movie, uh, as far as I'm concerned, you know, why can't this dog? So exactly, <laughs> yeah. 
Um, he has 6 million likes and 10 billion Facebook views. He has 3.9 million followers on Instagram and 2.6 million followers on Twitter. And he has made a ton of appearances on various, um, you know, shows and movies like Stranger Things. He was in Katy Perry's music video, Fall Out Boy's music video. And he was, uh, they even dedicated a, um, a day, ded they dedicated a day to him at Nashville, Tennessee, where he's living at. Uh, May 20th is Doug the Pug Day, which is crazy. Okay. I'll, I'll you know, yeah, it's Tennessee. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's Tennessee. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, uh, speaking of which, the, the cast in this movie is actually really, really amazing. We have Abby Jacobson, Danny McBride, Maya Rudolph, Eric Andre, Olivia Coleman, Fred Armisen, Beck Bennett, John Legend, Chrissy Teigen, Blake Griffin, and Conan O'Brien. Yeah, like, like, mind you, isn't it kind of uh, amazing? Like, you know, every time Eric Andre gets involved in something, it just, it just immediately becomes like you know, 40 to 45% more funny. When you like yeah, that, yeah. When you, yeah. He's a very, very funny guy. I mean, his show on Adult Swim is massive. You probably know about that infamous meme about, like, you know, Eric Andre is, like, shooting somebody, and then he says, like, I wonder why that happened. So, yeah, you probably know him for that. Yeah. Do you remember the time he got, a, he got on stage with uh, Alex Jones uh, from InfoWars, and, like, if he was, like, trying to, like, you know, out conspiracy theory Alex Jones, and he just uh, he just stood there with, like, this stoned face <laughs> looking, like, dead inside, as Eric Andre was basically, like, reverberating back all, like, this conspiracy theories that he used to wobble on about back in the day and like you know he doesn't use them anymore and like he was just so wow. confused oh that was that was hilarious that's that's an adult swim i'm surprised you never saw it but uh yeah. oh yeah that was brilliant why yeah there we go that, that he's was, also he yeah. was on jackass forever and uh, you know he was getting involved in like you know some of the pranks he's getting involved in the one where uh, i think that mma fighter was like you know punching uh what's his name in the balls or something like that, like, yeah, you know, that, yeah. oh, like, that was so hilarious, oh my goodness, yeah, Eric Andre's just gold, like, I really hope that whatever else he, uh, he's, I hope he sticks around for a very long time, because, you know, I really do, I really do like his work. Oh. Yeah, and um, also going into um, Alex Hirsch again, he also plays as a quick cameo as one of the friends that Katie has met in college. But um, anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's just get back into the story. So uh, Katie has applied to a university in California where she can be able to continue to pursue her um, career in film. And basically on her last day right before she goes over to college you have this really tense and awkward um conversation between uh rick and katie where you know everybody's like obsessed with like their uh, computers and their laptops and their phones and their tablets and he just basically says okay why don't we just have one evening where we can just sit down as a family and not rely on our phones and on our tablets just to talk to each other and it just becomes really, really awkward. Yeah, you can see that. Uh, I mean, um, it's, here's the thing, though. It's like um, it's uh, that really interesting discussion about uh, has technology like ruined our, you know, communication with other people. And uh, but then, I mean, like uh, one argument against that is that well, I mean, who is it really? The phones and the technology to blame for the fact that you know um, the family is like this, or is it the fact that the family themselves is either draw each other away because they can't find any common ground? And so, like, uh, it brings a very interesting philosophical discussion. It's almost kind of like, you know, where almost big Lebowski discussions, of it, levels of good discussions, I guess you could say. So, uh, that, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's it actually I, like, brings a really interesting commentary about, like, 
you know, technology, like, can it be good or can it be bad for us? I mean, especially with this whole pandemic that happened in which when everybody was forced to stay home after this coronavirus had taken over everything and shut everything down, like businesses and schools and churches and various things, and people had to stay home and either work from home from their computers and had to rely on watching Netflix or various things for entertainment. I mean, as somebody who, you know, was going to school... Uh, for about the first two years, and then all of a sudden when the pandemic happened, I had to stay home, take classes via Zoom, and then uh, when I was doing work for my school, like various projects, and, you know, we were the only ones to do it when everybody else had to stay home uh, and, you know, watch it from their TVs or from their laptops or from their phones. Um, it shows about the importance of technology, but at the same time, there's such things as taking it too far. And I think that this movie does it pretty well, in which, like, it's neither pro nor anti-technology. Yeah, it's, just, it's, 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 just, it's, it's just giving modern commentary on basically society today, if anything. Yeah. Now, they could have taken this, like, in a completely wrong direction. It's like, oh, you know, the technology is bad. Uh, you know, Rick was in the right. Katie should be focusing on, you know, spending more time with her family. But it's kind of like Goofy Movie, in which you have to have a balance between what the kid wants versus what the parent wants. I mean, there's always a way that they can be able to compromise. Kind but of then, like but how. But then also, they could throw it the other way, where they could do it really badly, where it's kind of like, you know, uh, oh, oh, no, it's uh, the uh, technology is, is the ten all the technology. Just, just to solely blame and uh, you know like uh, if it wasn't for the evil phones and evil you know things like that like you know uh, that all the, the they could all get together but then also they could I mean they could also throw it the other way where it's like oh well, no it's uh, the uh, the family that are all the problem you know like uh, they're the ones who uh, can't make it all work you know you can't blame the phones or the tablets or anything like that it's, it's their problem not everyone else's but no it doesn't do that it meets in the middle where it's like look um, the communication issues with the family is, is a factor or also, but at the same time, you know, the you can't just uh, blame all of that. You know, the, what is happening with, uh, you know, them being distracted by, like, all their phones and everything like that, and, like, all the technology and like that. Also, that plays uh, kind of like a bit of a barrier as well. So, it's not blaming one or the other. It's basically, you know, uh, blame, it's basically taking equal, you know, amounts of, uh, you know, discussion about each of the side of the problem. Exactly, yeah. It perfectly balances it. It shows both the good and the bad of technology. And it's done in a pretty smart way, by the way. So I think we should continue on. So we have um, Rick, who's trying to talk to Katie. And, you know, Katie is, like, presenting her film that she just worked on. And Rick is not too impressed with it. And Katie just feels really guilty about it. And so then Rick is like, oh, no, no, no let, let, let me watch it. And then Katie was like, no, you ruined it. And so he breaks her laptop by accident. And so then she just runs off and then she locks herself in her room and Rick feels really guilty about it, and Linda tries to convince him, I think that there should be a way for you guys to connect right before she leaves forever. And so, pulling off a Goofy movie again, he decides to cancel Katie's flight from Michigan to California, and they decide that they're going to have this massive road trip so that they can have one last bonding experience right before they drop her off. Mm -hmm. Which uh, really doesn't work well for her because she, basically she's going to lo lose like the like the uh, the first week of her of her college pretty much because of this. 
Exactly, yeah. And we just saw earlier in the film that she was able to connect with three people that she met up with. And, you know, they were talking about like, oh, you know, you're a genius. Uh, that stuff that you posted up was awesome. And uh, then there was this one girl that she was talking to were saying like, uh, oh, you know, I really like this movie. It's like, wait, I, was, I thought I was the only one who liked this movie. So then we kind of see like maybe there's a little crush between them. Mm hmm. Yeah, so anyway, that's, that's yeah. one thing also you'll notice in this movie is that uh, this is one of the uh, very, uh, you know, uh, uh, well, many movies, actually many media now that actually is starting to, uh, you know, adapt to LGBT, you know, uh, IA plus representation. So, you know, like uh, it's, uh, you know, um, the this is, you know, our, one of our main characters here is, uh, is, is uh, I think she's a lesbian, I believe. So, yes, yeah. yes, she is. It kind of makes sense because Abby Jacobson, uh, who voices as um, Katie, is also bisexual. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I guess that um, with that going out of the way, we have this other subplot with involving with this uh, this entrepreneur by the name of Mark Bauman, who showcases his new AI called Pal. And... Basically, he just says that we're going to take over the world. We're going to, you know, you're going to be like the top of the line. And then all of a sudden, he basically just says, okay, I have this, um, you know, buddy named Pal. And, um, you know, this is basically like somebody who's going to be alongside with you. And you get to talk to them and you get to tell them what to do and all that kind of stuff. Well, that is completely obsolete. I have this new version. And Pal gets really pissed, especially when Mark basically just throws her away and then she vows for revenge, where basically it's kind of like a HAL 9000 situation in which she basically just, like, tries to take over everything, and it is just madness. It's like, hey, giving a, uh, a AI, you know, emotions uh, in a phone and, uh, you know, releasing it onto the world, what could possibly go wrong? Well, this is what everything. could potentially go wrong. So Everything. Uh, everything, yeah. yeah. But yes, I mean, we're, we're going like, we're not going like Terminator levels of like, you know, Cyberdyne and a whole bunch of robots basically like, you know, destroy everything. But it's more like, oh, they're just going to grab all of humanity and just toss them aside because they feel they feel that humanity is flawed. And they feel that robots are going to be the one to take over everything because they're technologically perfect in every single way. Yeah, I thought really with uh, with with, um, with Powell, I thought we were going to get like a uh, you know a sympathetic villain, which is like uh, you know uh, you can understand why she's doing what she's doing because she doesn't want to get shut down. But uh, no, I think uh, in this movie she goes way overboard. Like you know, like uh, she's uh, at the point of, like you know enslaving humanity, pretty much. Like you know, like uh, every human is the same and things like that. Like you know, it's just it's uh, you know it's uh, it goes into a very very dark you know very very uh, you know uh, uncomfortable uh, place. With this, uh, with this, uh, uh, with Pal, and so uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know whether that uh, is, you know, good, you know, uh, storytelling in regards to, like, you know, this is what happens if you have like a machine that uh, is, um, you know, is uh, left to its own devices and uh, basically can left to think for itself and uh, not have like any, you know, type of control and like, you know, and uh, because you're too busy looking at dollar signs, you know, like you're not really caring about like what happens. Kind of like, uh, you know, in uh, once again, we're going back to uh, with, uh, you know, Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park. Like, you know, uh, you stood on the shoulders of other people and uh, you, you created something before you even knew what you had. You uh, packaged it, patented it and stopped it on a lunchbox and now you're selling it. You know, like uh, it's uh, it's one of it's one of those deals. Once again, like you know, uh, it's funny. Like when we get to discussions like this, we always seem to go back to Jurassic Park. In regards yeah, to I know, like that. right? Yeah, exactly. Whether we're talking about the story, whether we're talking about the special 
electronics. We're always talking about something related to that. Exactly. Like, you know, because, uh, I mean, it, it stands to the, the you know, uh, the, the, the silent movie. Like, you know, just because you have a technology, because you have something that, you know, you, um, that you can do, doesn't mean necessarily that means you should do it. Exactly, so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can you can point a lot of things. Like, for example, I mean, um, once again, going into Terminator, you can probably point out as like, um, have you ever been? By, by the way, have you ever been to the um, Universal Studios Terminator show? Uh, I I know it's Universal Studios no, So unfortunately, you know, one of these days, I really hope I'll go. But uh, you know, unfortunately, it's, it's uh, still on my uh, bucket list, if you will. So. Yeah, well, one of the times that I have been to Universal Studios, they used to have, like, a Terminator 3D show. And uh, the opening, right before you got in, was showing off Cyberdyne and showing off, like, oh, you know, we have um, this technology that's going to help you, that's going to make things convenient, and it's going to make, um, you know, life a lot easier for you and the whole family. And it just makes it, like, look really, really nice and wholesome and sympathetic. But then when you get inside and you watch the show itself and find out, oh, what Cyberdyne has done, it basically... Basically, like destroyed the entire world and most of humanity is dead and then you have the Terminator coming in and saying like come with me if you want to live we're gonna you know stop Cyberdyne right before they you know create all this stuff so yeah again it just showcases that hey you know just because you know technology is very convenient for a lot of people you just don't make it control everything that you have otherwise you'll lose control I mean you also compare it to like you know a BNL from Wally. Like, you know, the, the big massive company superstore that kind of like sure, you know, took yeah. over everything which, and like, like you know, the relied earth. on robots to clean up the earth. And then when it just got too overboard, humanity just pretty much gave up and then they just lived up in space. And then they just relied on, you know, the spaceship to take care of them. What was supposed to be like for like five years was took like 700 years. And then they just became so um, complacent about the ship doing everything for them that they just became lazy and fat and. They just basically not did did anything. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, once again, um, you know, it can. It, it, I think that what the movie does smartly is that we saw what technology can do that is horrible, but we also see that what technology has done can be a good thing. Which you know, that's what we saw in throughout the course of the movie, in which you know we have somebody who knows everything about technology, who is Katie, and who's able to save the world thanks to her knowledge with technology. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, the the whole movie with this road trip thing that's going on, right before we see the takeover with Pal and all the other robots, we just basically see, like, the nightmare that is a road trip. Like, they go over to a restaurant that just so happens to have one-star reviews, but, um, you know, Rick says, why don't we just go there anyway? They throw up, and... And then they go over to, like, this uh, place that has a lot of dinosaur exhibits and uh, gift... Yeah, they go to this gift shop and they just basically do what you would expect for a family who has been separated for quite a while on a road trip. They just don't know how to interact with one another. It's just, yeah, like, it's... um it's, it's Also, it's, uh, it's kind of like, you know, in a Goofy movie, like, you know, because, you know, Max and Goofy are, like, kinda, like, want to plan all, like, all these certain things that they want to do together, but uh, it ends up, like, one ends up enjoying it and then the the other one ends up like hating it, and like uh, that's the uh, sort of thing you get here with Mitchell versus the machines. You sort of like get that from uh, from that from like. I mean, the one thing I think we probably ask ourselves like, uh, how much uh, from a goofy movie does it take away from a goofy movie? You know, Mitchell versus the machines, because uh, I think in some instances it takes it takes quite quite a bit when you really think about it. 
It does take a, bl a little bit of it. You're right, because, I mean, you have a family who's been distant for quite a while. You have the kid who is starting to become more independent with themselves, is starting to build a life that's not with the parent. You have the parent who is very concerned that they might lose their child. And then you have the road trip, which is trying to bring them all together. And then at first, the road trip goes really, really badly. But then they have to work together so that they can be able to bond as well as go with whatever options obstacles comes in their way it does feel very similar to a goofy movie yeah makes me wonder if like you know that's uh, was part of the influence in uh, some of the story right writing that was going on in. i wouldn't be surprised uh, considering that i know a lot of uh, you know people were probably you know uh kids when they first saw a goofy movie and then afterwards they decided to uh, you know, put whatever influences that they have, whether it be with the father-son dynamic, whether it be with the road trip, whether it be with um, the humor, whatever it is that that they were able to, you know, put into the film. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Mike Rionda and um, Jim Rowe, when they watched them, you know, Jeff Rowe, when they, you know, sat down and they wrote the screenplay for Mitchells versus the Machines, that they probably had a goofy movie in mind. Hmm. Anyway, so yeah, then we go over to um, the scene in which they are at the gift shop and then they find out that, you know, Pal is starting to take over all of the, you know, the robots and all of the appliances that are electric and then people are starting to disappear. I mean, we even have this one scene where you have this perfect couple who are played by John Legend and uh, Chrissy Teigen. That, you know, everything is, like, perfect for them. And then all of a sudden, they decided to, um, you know, defend themselves by uh, doing kung fu and karate and judo. And then you have the family who's trying to, like, um, you know, defend themselves by staying in the gift shop and trying to, um, you know, stay safe. And there's even this um, ongoing uh, inside joke regarding about Rick having a specific screwdriver that he gave to everybody for birthdays and anniversaries and Christmas and stuff like that that... He always says is very handy for whatever situation happens. So, you know, they have to stay still. And then we have, um, you know, Katie, who's just feeling really, really, um, you know, devastated about everything that's going on. And even before the that part of the movie happens, where we see her talking to Aaron saying, you know, I'm just doing this until we get to California. I'm just trying to put a happy smile for dad, where, you know, she basically is trying to pretend to have a good time with him when in reality, she just wants to get to California as soon as possible. Again, going into a goofy movie in which Max pretends to have fun with his dad at first, but only because the, tra the trail that they're going through is not over to Lake Destiny, Idaho. It's going all the way to California to see the uh, Powerline concert. So it kind of feels very similar to that. Yeah. So, um, I mean, in regards to, like, how the whole takeover works, like, also, there's a great commentary in there, once again, like, uh, you know, like Terminator, uh, uh, where, like, you know, all the technology basically works against, uh, you know, all the humans in, in every way possible, whether it's, like, you know, uh, the, you know, the humans have got, like, you know, uh, um, you know, things, you know, uh, music in their ears, so they can't hear, like, the Terminator coming through to, like, you know, attack people and stuff like that, and, like, or, you know, like, uh, this, again, like, plays good commentary, and, like, you know, this is the reason why, you know, having smart machines isn't necessarily a good thing, because, so, you you know, it could easily be taken over by this whole thing, and so it's uh, it's almost like what was that? There was a movie I'm pretty sure about where you know, where the, I think uh, the Chinese like you know was like taking over like you know machines and stuff like that, and started like you know bringing around like you know global domination. I can't, I can't remember what movie it was or if it was a TV series mm -hmm. or something like that. Sort of reminds me of that in a way, you know. Yeah, 
Yeah, and then along the way, while this whole massive takeover and grabbing humans and putting them up is happening, you have these two robots who help out the Mitchells, Eric and Deborah Robot 5000, and they tell them, oh, well, if you want to be able to shut us down, all you need to do is upload uh, this kill code um, over to the computer. That way you can be able to shut down PAL, which, a kill code, huh? That sounds very similar to Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, in which they had to go over to the source of the food machine to upload a kill code so that they can be able to stop the whole thing. Yeah. So, like, you know, uh, you, you ever seen that meme where, like, you know, where, uh, was it, like, all these cartoon characters, like, holding up floppy disks, and it's like, remember when floppy disks were, like, you know, were brought, brought around, like, you know, the end of the world? And, uh, yeah, like, it's good. I it's like, Dexter's yeah. Lab and Sailor Moon. Yeah, uh, yeah, I remember. Like, remember when kill codes used to bring around, like, you know, the end of uh, end of antagonists? Like, uh, yeah, it's like, uh, I think it's going to be something different in 20 years' time. Yeah, exactly. We're going to have kill codes in our minds. <laughs> because everything's going to be transferred from our minds over to other people's minds. Yeah, it's like, remember when GameCubes used to be, uh, where used to bring around the end of the world? <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh yeah, I remember. Anyway, but uh yeah, I think that um the whole kill code thing just kind of reminded me of like, yeah, I think we did this before. I think about like 13 years ago with Cloudy of a Chance of Meatballs in which Flint Lockwood had to upload the kill code into the to the food machine to stop it. But yeah. anyway, was it, was, I guess... it a, was it a USB stick? I can't remember if it, what it was. Or it, not. it was a it was a USB stick, yeah. There's a USB was stick a, in this in this movie as well. I remember now. Yes, it yeah. was. It was a USB stick for both uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs and with Mitchell's versus the Machines. I guess, you know, because it does take place in the year 2020 it does make a lot of sense that it would have a usb as opposed to a floppy disk yeah someone recently reminded me of zip drives and it's like you know not, i've not heard of zip drives since the 90s like they still make oh those my things God. that just made me old yeah. i found a gray hair on my head oh good grief Oh boy. Anyway, so uh, the 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 robots who are first brought into like a little bit toward the movie Eric and Deborah bought 5000. They're actually pretty funny. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, I don't know how did it feel about, like, you know, we ended up with, like, these uh, these robot uh, buddies that, you know, follow the machine. But I guess, you know, how on earth were they going to stop this machine to begin with if they didn't have, like, you know, the, the robots there to tell them how to do it? So, uh, you know, I, I grew to accept them, I think, uh, as uh, the movie went on. But uh, it felt kind of awkward that all of a sudden, like, we were just stuck with two robots. And, like, uh, and don't get me wrong, they were they were hilarious comic relief. Like, uh, I mean, like, I, I was quite worried that they were going to end up, like, you know, like the priests in, like, you know, uh, in, uh, in Prince of Egypt. Like they were going to become that kind of comic relief, but thankfully they kind of kept it a bit more tame than oh, that. I so. see. You're you're talking about like uh, Hotep and Hoy, the yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I thought it was going to be like one of those deals, but thankfully it wasn't that. It wasn't that outrageous, so I accepted it. So yeah, yeah, and uh, played wonderfully by Beck Bennett and Fred Armisen, uh, who you probably know for Saturday Night Live. So yeah, they were able to bring a lot of the comedy into both of these robots. So. Um, yeah, I think that... I wonder how uh, much of it was ad-libbed, I... like, you know, because, uh, you know, when they bring these type of comedians in, they, you know, they want, they usually they want them to ad-lib their stuff. I wonder how much freedom they actually had with these characters when they actually started voicing them in the voice in the voice. I didn't, I didn't even think about that. That's actually really interesting. I mean, usually when it comes to, like, these well-known comedians who are from a sketch comedy show or from stand-up, I mean, who knows, maybe they even brought Eric... Well, I mean, Eric Andre is not much of a comedian in this movie because he was the one who kind of, like, caused the whole thing with the whole pal situation, so he's more subdued with his humor he's not the funny one in this movie which is actually pretty impressive to show that hey you know eric andre is not just the funny guy yeah exactly like uh, i mean this was kind of making more well-rounded i think as in regards to like you know a voice actor so uh you know kudos for letting him do that i think uh, that was really cool 
Yeah, and also with um, well, you know, giant was like, uh, and, it, uh, it, mind you, it's even better because you remember when they brought in Stephen Colbert to be uh, the president in uh, you know uh, you know uh, aliens. Versus, uh, yeah, no, not oh, Monsters vs. Aliens. You're right. Monsters oh, vs. Yeah. Aliens. Yeah, like you know, obviously they played him off, you know, to be uh, you know a goof, but so they didn't do this with Eric Andre. Like you know, they put him in some you know, in some peril, and like uh, you know, they really didn't let him play that, which I'm really glad about. So yeah, that's actually pretty impressive, to be quite honest. Yeah. Yeah, and um, also I think that um, uh, Chrissy Teigen and John Legend, who played as uh, the Posies, who are these perfect neighbors, um, you know, when you know John Legend, who's this amazing singer, and Chrissy Teigen, who is incredible with various things, you know, she know she's known for being a model, and she's known for uh, her TV show, and she's known for her cookbook. So you have these two together, and they have really good chemistry for the short amount of time that they were in there. Mm-hmm. Well, I think they had to be sh- they had to be shown off as perfect, and then uh, it was uh, up to uh, you know the uh, the Mitchells to like you know for some reason emulate them, and then that turns that turns pear shapes, and it's kind of like well you know they need to learn that they, you know they don't need to be like the that type of perfect you know like uh, so that was a great message also to put in there as well like you know give them something to compare to, and then realize they don't have to be compared to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so basically, Eric and Deborah Bog Five Thousand tell the Mitchells that in order for them to, um, you know, stop Pal, they have to go all the way to Colorado and upload the kill code to Pal, and they have to make this massive trip. And oh my gosh, when they finally made it over to the mall, and everything just starts coming to life and taking over, it is unbelievable. You have like all of these appliances. You have a giant Furby. And it's about oh God, to the fur- attack. The, the Furby was the, the Furby creeped me out. I'll be honest with you oh, about yeah. that. You know, like you know, like I can't believe they still make those things. Like, they still know, do, like, and it's still popular. Oh God, what's what, yeah. what's wrong with humanity? Seriously, <laughs> kill these yeah, things I, off. I never Don't. got into Furbies. Those I, things were. So- Super freaky. I know. I never got into them. So, well, on top of that, like uh, you know, the original ones were super defective. Like they used to get like greasy and like you know, they used to go wrong and all sorts of stuff. Like you know, I ne- I never went near them because I realized how awful they were. So. Yeah, I mean, even when I was a teenager, and I remember when Furbies used to be on the commercials, and I would like pass through Furby toys. It's like here's the thing: I love owls. I am a huge owl fan. So when I saw these kind of Furbies and they have like the big eyes and the talking, it's like that freaked me out. And so uh, I thought that those kind of like died out around the 2000s, but no, no apparently nostalgia they're still here. Back. For some strange, some, some god awful reason, they're still here. Yeah, they're still here. And the reason why is because uh, there was like a, a massive um, boom for Furby around like the 2010s when, you know, hey, we're nostalgic for Furbies. Let's bring them back. And those things should have died out with Tiger Electronic Risk, Tiger Electronic games. Seriously. Oh, yeah. The, the, what was it? Like the quarter bit, the Risk game. Yeah, the Risk game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I tell you what. Given the, given all the things that we're seeing with uh, how Pal took over, like all these smart devices, it kind of makes me feel like I want a Tiger handheld now. To be honest with you, so. Oh my gosh! So you, you can play Double Dragon and Batman. Yeah, at least it's not going to take over the world. <laughs> don't jinx it. Yeah, don't jinx it. Nope. 
Anyway, so it turns out that when they tried to upload the kill code, it didn't exactly work out very well because um, they weren't able to do it in time. And so um, you have this really heartbreaking scene in which when eventually, like, you know, they're being captured and uh, you only have, like, uh, Katie, Aaron, and Monchi left. And you have Rick, who's just trapped up there when he sees Mark and... You know, he's talking to him about, like, you know, I shouldn't have caused all this. It's my fault. And, you know, then we have, like, this one scene in which, you know, uh, Rick is, was watching one of Katie's videos. And he was saying, like, wow, you know, I know about that video. That's really good. Who did that? And he's like, oh, my daughter did that. And he's like, wow, really? She's really talented. And so that comes up with they come up with the idea of uploading Katie's video into the PAL system so that it'll malfunction. And you have uh, Katie, Aaron, and Monchi in the car trying to rescue uh, Linda and Rick who are trapped up there with the other humans. And it's actually a really great scene. Once again, going into a Goofy movie in which when um, Max learned how to do the perfect cast to save Goofy while he's falling down the waterfall, Katie learned how to floor it and how to drive the car just so that they can be able to go where um, the humans are, which is actually, like, great, um, you know, foreshadowing because we see Rick trying to teach Katie how to drive the car, but Katie's not really paying attention. Same thing with Goofy trying to teach uh, Max how to do the perfect cast where he's not really impressed with it. So, yeah, it all comes back full circle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, um, I mean, uh, I really like how all the story elements, you know, uh, when they get introduced at the very beginning of the movie, they actually tie them all up at the very end, which I think is really good. Like, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, um, it's uh, uh, Mark Bowman, you know, realizing that, you know, what he's done and uh, that he's, you know, finding out the error of his ways in regards to how he's treated Pal and how he's basically treated his uh, tech company. And uh, then, you know, with uh, the relationship between, uh, you know, uh, uh, Katie and uh, Rick in, in this and uh, also, uh, you know, various other characters also get, uh, you know, uh, shoe-ins in this as well, like, you know, and, uh, yeah, also, um, I just think it all comes together pretty well, you know, towards towards the end. Like, you know, we get a really good first act of uh, all, you know, for first, you know, being introduced, and then after that, like, uh, you know, it all comes together, you know, it all follows, flows very well in the second act, and then finally we get to this, uh, this, this final third, and, you know, it's, uh, it all just comes together really well. So. It does, especially when we see Katie watching the old, uh, you know, uh, recordings of Rick's um, camera, where you you got to see like them together, and you got to see uh, when Katie was a child and Rick was living in the cabin with uh, Linda, and you got to see uh, basically another clip where you know Katie sees that um, they had to give away the cabin and they had to move over to another place because. Uh, they were going to take care of Katie and they needed to, you know, go away where Katie can be able to have a better life. And, you know, we see Rick devastated with it because, you know, he built that cabin with his two hands. He worked really hard on it. He lived a really happy life over there. But in order for Rick to have... Uh, an opportunity to give Katie a normal life, he needed to give up something that he really loved, which was that cabin and living in the countryside. Yeah, and, uh, you know, uh, that that is a really, you know, that's really great, so, you know, uh, uh, arcing to, uh, you know, uh, the, the reason why, you know, she had that, you know, ornament to begin with, because it was part of that cabin that, uh, you know, and it was a reminder of, like, where she came from. Pretty exactly. Much. So, yeah. That was why Rick gave Katie the carving of the moose because that was from the cabin right before they left and 
you know, she uh, in the in the film we saw that Katie was really gravitated to it, and then Rick said, "Okay, you can keep it." And so, you know, she's had a hold of it ever since. And we even saw, like, throughout the beginning of the film, when she was really angry with Rick, that she actually threw it away in the trash. So that yeah. must have been really devastated for Rick when he finally found it. Yeah, like it must be very hard for you know for Rick because obviously, like uh, you know, we now learn that uh, that's basically you know his origin story, pretty much. Like you know where basically everyone came from and you know what basically what happened so you know like uh, it really it may you know i really like this where you know you have something that is quite impactful to begin with but then you don't realize how really impactful it is until you get on later into the movie it always keeps you watching and uh, you know it's uh, it's great storytelling as well like uh, the fact that you know where uh, rick has this has this uh, different past from pre previously and uh, you know even though he has this fractious relationship with his daughter now he's still willing to do anything you know to uh, to make sure that she succeeds including like giving up his very very prized possession that it was his own house you know yeah so it's, it's it's great stuff it's this is great stuff like you know this is this is what you do to create you know uh drama and angst amongst you know in in family stories and uh i really wish that you know a lot of other you know uh you know movies you know did this you know uh, i'm looking at you rv but uh, you know, like uh, it's just it's uh, you know like initial list of machines. This is this is the, uh, the the family movie that gets you know most of the elements right. And so like anyone who like wants should be uh, looking at like you know doing like you know movies about you know family drama and things like that. They should really look at Mitchell's versus the machines as like you know a starting point. Seriously. Absolutely, yeah. And I really like how the movie concludes uh, in the uh, in the final act, in which when Pal finally meets up with Katie, and then you know she says, "Oh, I've been looking at you, Mitchells. You guys are like a really awkward, um, imperfect family." And uh, then you know she said, "You know, give me one reason why I should keep humanity here, and I should not just like throw them away." And Katie says that humanity is you know always learning humanity is flawed humanity always um learns and though they're connected i mean you know without humanity that um you know we can't be able to uh, grow our world the way it is and she says that with her family specifically that you know no matter how different they are they're always going to be together as a family and pal just doesn't understand this it's like you know this is really illogical this is not perfect i'm going to get rid of you and um and then we finally had this great moment in which when, um, you know, Eric and Deborah were able to, um, you know, have Eric, um, have uh, Rick use the computer to upload the home video of Katie, which again reminds me of Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, in which we have Tim, who is uh, Flint's father. He was the one who was able to upload the kill code over to Flint after he loses the, the USB drive. And, uh, you know, he know nothing about computers, but he was the one who kind of helped save the day. So it's kind of like very similar in which like Rick, even though he knew nothing about computers, he was able to help save the day by uploading Katie's uh, video over to Pal's system. And then everything was like all jumbled up. And then finally we have uh, Katie throwing Pal into a glass of water and then everything was destroyed. And, you know, humanity is saved once again. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so then basically we get to the, the final act of the movie, and that is that, uh, you know, they finally drop off uh, Katie over at college, and uh, then basically that's the, uh, not the final goodbye, but uh, basically it's the, uh, you know, the, the end of an era, I guess you could say, for the Mitchells. So. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, they finally dropped Katie off to college, and, you know, Katie says goodbye to her family, and then you know, she goes off and she does what she loves best, and she promises that she'll come and visit, and... 
you know, th then we have, like, uh, the final act in which when we see, um, you know, Katie uh, joining them with um, Eric and Deborah Bot to Washington, D.C. so that they can get the gold medal of, uh, the Congressional Gold Medal of Honor for saving humanity from an evil robot. So I thought that that was actually a pretty nice way to end things off. I was going to say, like, you know, uh, I thought that, you know, there should be some kind of, like, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure, like, the most of America, probably most of the world probably be very grateful for the fact that they've actually done this. Like, you know, it's... Uh, um, I can say, like, uh, maybe I might be being a bit unfair here, but I think uh, it's uh, way better than how, you know, Home Handled is, you know, about that DreamWorks movie where, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, like, uh, you know, the humans now have got their world back, so, you know, like, uh, but, you know, the, uh, as far as I'm aware, the character that, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, that, you know, the main character in that didn't really, like, you know, get any kind of, like, you know, world payoff or anything like that, I don't think. So, like, right. Uh, yeah, but uh, in this, it's kind of like, yeah, um, you know, saving the world's kind of a big deal, so, you know, we're going to reward you for it. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I have to say that, um, you know, the another thing that we need to praise for this movie is the animation. Taking p pages from uh, Spider-Man Enter the Spider-Verse, in which they were able to have, like, the 2D, 3D hybrid with a mixture of colors and details with the designs and the backgrounds and all that kind of stuff. It works really well here with showcasing the humor and the uh, quirkiness of the animation. It really works well here. Yeah, it does. And, uh, you know, like, it's so expressionate as well. Like, And also, you know, like, when you feel like you're in a, a warm moment with this family, it does feel like this warmth is, uh, you know, we're introducing of that when you're in like you know the actual you know system itself of pal like you know it feels cold and it feels like uh, it feels robotic and it feels like you know it feels like it feels like the matrix and it feels like uh, you know tron you know uh, and uh, you know you can see those influences in there as well like uh, the way that this movie is animated and the way that the uh, the uh, you know uh, backgrounds and everything like that are drawn like you know it's 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 uh, it's it's fantastic to watch you know it's uh, if you even if you just uh, you're not really getting invested into the story like you really got to get invested into the visuals seriously so. Yeah, seriously. I mean, there's a reason why a lot of animation studios are praising and paying attention to the animation style that Sony's doing. I mean, so much so that um, DreamWorks is doing it. We saw this with the bad guys, and now they're going to do it for Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. So, yeah, they're paying attention to this. Yeah, like, I wouldn't be too surprised if, like, you know, other movie, you know, uh, uh, places start turning around saying, you know, Sony's got it locked out. Excuse me, uh, but uh, yeah, it, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if um, you know um, uh, other movie studios start paying attention to what Mitchell's vs. Machines doing, so paying attention to what you know uh, Netflix are doing, and uh, you know what Sony Pictures are doing, saying, "Oh, hey, you know, like uh, they got a really stylish, cool, art, you know, art style here, and uh, they can even tell a warm story around it." Like, you know, let's do that. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a massive game changer. What, this is something um, you think we'd be talking about with Pixar, let you know, or, or even DreamWorks, you know, let alone you know uh, Sony or Netflix. It's quite amazing, actually, you know, given the fact that we've got, you know, someone wanting to break ground in this way. Exactly, yeah. So, Spider-Man Entered the Spider-Verse and Mitchell's vs. the Machines really broke ground for their animation style. It's like, this is going to probably be, like, the animation style that everybody's going to be trying to copy off of in the 2020s decade. Yep. And, uh, unfortunately, like, you know, uh, some of the knockoff studios will uh, probably not see it for another 20, 30 years. Yeah, well, we'll see about that. Anyway, so, yeah, overall, um, this was a great, great movie. Go. Definitely one of the best animated movies I've seen uh, over the past 
couple of years. My 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 final thoughts are go see it. Like, you know, seriously, if you if you don't see Mitchell's vs. the Machine yet, what are you doing? Go watch that movie, seriously. Like, you know, we put it <laughs> off for such the longest time, and uh, I feel really bad for doing it, because, uh, mind you, I gave up on Netflix a long time ago, so, like, you know, it's, uh, it's unfortunately, it's going to be, it's one of those where, you know, I have to kind of, like, you know, find another place to watch it, but seriously, if you've got a Netflix account, and uh, if you're still listening to this and not watching Mitchell's vs. the Machine yet, what are you doing? Go watch it, seriously. Like, yeah, uh, the only way that Aaron and I were able to watch it was we had to watch it on, uh, on our flight over to see each other. Yeah, actually, that was quite hilarious. Actually, so the way we saw this movie is that it was uh, um, available on. Is it? So actually, there's another place. Where if you don't have a Netflix account, if you pay enough money to, and you want to go on a holiday to America or go on a holiday to England, then you can watch it on a Virgin Atlantic flight <laughs> as you go over. So uh, that's another place you can watch it. So if you can bother to part on that much uh, money and also spend a, spend a week in America or in England, so yeah, there you go. There that, you that's, go. <laughs> Yeah, so if you don't, if you um, have like uh, over a thousand dollars to spend going over to England or going to America, then go watch Mitchell's vs. the Machines while you're flying over in Virgin Atlantic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Either that or just watch it on Netflix, or you can buy it on DVD and Blu-ray. That's also another option too. Awesome. All right. Well, um, I know that this took a long time for me to finally sit down and talk about Mitchell's versus the Machines, especially since I said I wanted to talk about it last year. But I hope that you enjoyed our discussion of it. And don't worry, we will discuss about the other movies that will be coming down on the line. We'll still go over Candace Against the Universe and Bob's Burgers, and we'll go over to Across the Spider-Verse. So we'll get to those in due time. Cool. All right, then. So, Aaron, do you have anything to uh, plug and promote right before we go? Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's uh, Aaron Meta Show. That's uh, Alpha Romeo Uniform November, Mike Echo Hotel, Tango Alpha, Sierra Hotel, Oscar Whiskey. So that's Aaron Meta Show. And, uh, yeah, just... Um, and also, I do apologize if I've not been answering questions on uh, Tumblr. If you have submitted a uh, question to Tumblr, I will try and get to it eventually. And in regards to the return of the Aramata show, I mean, like, it's just an ongoing thing that I'm currently working on at the moment. So uh, please stay tuned, and I'll let you know what's up. All right, then. Uh, so if you want to check my stuff out, you can check it out on uh, oldschoollane.net, youtube.com slash oldschoollane, facebook.com slash oldschoollane. I'm on Twitter at patty underscore b underscore Miranda. You can check out the podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, Amazon Music, audible.com, many places. Uh, new episodes of the podcast will go there first, and then they'll go up on a few days on YouTube. So thank you so much for listening, everyone. <laughs> Uh, let us know in the comments below what you thought of Mitchell's versus the Machines. Uh, what were your favorite characters? What was your favorite moment? What did you think of uh, the story? What did you think of the animation style? Do you want to see a Mitchell's versus the Machines 2? Or do you want to be able to see an animated series based off of Mitchell's versus the Machines? Let us know. Uh, that's it. Thank you so much for listening. Hope to see you around soon and take care. Bye, everybody.